In the early 19th century, it was all the rage for sailors from New England to hop on a ship and go on a two-year journey in which they would murder the shit out of some whales and harvest their fat so people back home could light their dank homes with oil-burning lamps. In 1819, one whale ship left the tiny island of Nantucket, Massachusetts, with dreams of striking it rich in the faraway Pacific. Instead, their ship would be attacked by a whale and sunk. What followed was a desperate fight for survival, which would result in a whole lot of dead sailors being eaten by their former crewmates. This story was so crazy and compelling that it was basically the Titanic of its time, and one dude even stole the story to write a now world-famous novel. So, it's probably time for you to once more grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled The Sinking of the Essex Moby Penis. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax. And enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Uh, co-host Chris, I, I don't know if you noticed right there, I said whale. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> yeah, so... Oh. That's all I got, buddy. <laughs> that's my that's my cold open right there. <laughs> that's it. That's all it's front and center, baby. Hooked them in, harpooned them, reeled them in. That's what you were doing right there. Uh huh. Oh man, I'm excited. I I am very excited to tell this story. Survival, cannibalism. Just there's some really awful shit in this story that makes me question the whaling industry as a whole. I think we should knock that off. Oh. Yeah. I feel like that's an extremely hot opinion. <laughs> You're kind of going out on a limb here. What What the fuck are we going to light our lamps with then, mister? Hmm? Electricity? Hmm? You're like the first woman that is, uh, I don't know, that Weinstein guy. He's <laughs> maybe a little unscrupulous. A little creepy. Little creepy. Yeah. Get some vibes. You've, you've sacrificed your career. I know. To go out on this limb. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Greg, I have something unrelated to talk about right here. Um, it's something mm-hmm. that came came to my attention today. And something we have noted in the past. Today is the birthday of one Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, JTT? Yeah. Are you kidding? No, I'm 100% serious, and I'm also 100% serious about this part. I am absolutely certain we have recorded every birthday of JTT since we started this podcast. One, of, I think the first year we actually mentioned it, I think you brought it to my attention. Really? Yeah. This year, I'm bringing it to your attention that it's his birthday. And you know, I think it's time. I think I think it's well past time, actually. To go ahead and name JTT as the official heartthrob of Hunter Proof History. Let's do it. Wolf Dick. And in our second headline of the day, mm-hmm. the Queen of England has died. It's not important. 
It's not as important. Billion years old. How dare she ruin JTT's birthday like this? She took the spotlight from him. No, dude. He was spotlight. She was, you know, second stage. Uh, That's true. Yeah, she was second fiddle. Yeah. May she rest in peace. I guess. Whatever. All that. Whatever that means, you know. I haven't gotten over 1776, so... Hearts and minds. Fuck that bitch. You really want to say that? F that B. America. Okay, that's that's better. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> Christopher? Mm-hmm? I know you did it in the intro, but uh, what are we talking about today? And what is our source? So today, we're talking about the sinking of the whale ship Essex. It's kind of... If you think about it in the grand scheme of things, a minor blip in history, but really for its time, this was the the news story of the day, the massive event. People learned about this in school. A dude ripped it from the headlines to write his book, just like Dick Wolf does for all his Law and Order episodes. You know, he's like, uh, we're doing one about a missing girl. Her name's uh, Ron Janae Bamsey. <laughs> You know, uh, completely different names and likenesses or the fictional characters. It's all coincidental. But no, it was a big story for the time. And it's such a fucking cool story and a great story. And our source is In the Heart of the Sea by Nathaniel Philbrick. And you know what? This is a fantastic fucking book. It really is. Well, we've uh, we've done one of his other books. We have. As you know. Yeah. The Last Stand by a Mr. Nathaniel Philbrick. And it's about Custer, Sitting Bull, and the Battle of the Little Bighorn. That was also a That's actually a subtitle. Subtitle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't just me being a good podcaster. (laughs) That was actually a very cool story and a very cool episode. But this book is better than that book. Because as we discussed on that episode, that book's like 400 pages and 300 of it is just set up to the battle. This is all action, baby. This is wailing. This is murder. This is cannibalism. It's, just such, it's such a good read. It's a very quick, fast read. But uh, if you hate reading, and I know most of you morons do, maybe just listen to us for the next hour or so. Tell you... The story of the whale ship Essex. Do you think I hooked them back in? They're like, oh, I want to buy this book and not stop. You didn't think- only hook them. You harpooned these whales. Oh, uh, there you are. They are, they are here. We are going to harvest their fat. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. All right, man. I can't wait to fucking do it. I've been edging all day for this. Just thinking about it. Rock hard like a goddamn diamond. Oh, the old blue whale balls. Yeah. That edging joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm very, very tired right now. Well, from studying for the podcast. I was just reading so much, flipping through pages like Bradley Cooper in that fucking movie. But I was on way more drugs than he was. <laughs> He's just out there actually on whale boats trying to harpoon a, 
a, a whale because he's like, this is going to be good research for the podcast. I'm ready, guys. I'm, I'm fucking. And it just took him out of him. But uh, I believe in you, Greg. I believe in you. I went into an actual lighthouse and lived for two weeks. As you guys know, we took a week off, and that was for field research. I actually used these chromatic uh, contacts that went in my eyes that made everything black and white. And they also made everything this weird aspect ratio that was <laughs> more restrictive than like four by three. And I went in a lighthouse and just tried to live the life of somebody from that time. Much like the movie, The Lighthouse. I really wanted to, you know, go go down the rabbit hole, so to speak. So if you guys notice any aberrations in my behavior. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that. It's okay. only that. It's only that. Well, let's see what happens when we tell this story. Are you ready for me to talk about the the first part of the story? I felt like I had some steam there, and I just ran out of it. I, I immediately, I was like, let's let's ramp up to this, and then just fell off the ramp before I jumped the school buses. <sighs> Go ahead, Chris. Yay! In the year 1712, a captain was hunting whales off the coast of Nantucket, Massachusetts, which sits around 30 miles south of the mainland, when a fierce gale blew him out to sea. I just paused because I remember that time I went to a convention and a guy dressed as Gale from Breaking Bad propositioned me, and uh, I'm not ashamed to say I accepted that proposition. Yeah, the curly hair, but <laughs> he actually shaved back the bald spot. Yeah. It's like, man, this guy is committed. Made a made a mean cup of coffee. Got killed by a meth addict right after we got done fucking. He was a hundred percent committed to that bit. Wow. It was here that that captain spotted a type of whale he had never seen before. He was awed by its grace, its natural beauty. Just the majestic nature of it in general. And so that captain grabbed his trusty harpoon and murdered the shit out of it. Well, well, <laughs> you know, whale, bolt. whale, <laughs> the whale the captain had discovered is the largest toothed predator, meaning it is the largest predator with teeth, not the predator with the largest teeth on earth and on average grows to about 50 feet in length and weighs upwards of 90,000 pounds. The people of Nantucket soon found that this whale's fat, also known as blubber, made for fantastic oil for their lamps and lanterns. Like the first guy to figure that shit out. Fucking genius. I got murdered this giant thing. Let's figure out what, uh, what are we going to do with it? I don't know, just light some lamps or something, I don't know. I need to read my porn by the bedside, and can't do that right now. <laughs> read my porn. <laughs> it was 1700s, man, they were all woodcuttings of porn. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and before that, they were doing it in the dark, and like, well, that's a ridge, I think that might be the clitoris, but I can't find it, because it's so dark, and it doesn't exist! Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, that's mythical. <laughs> at, at best. 
government conspiracy at worst. Right. And deep inside this whale's giant block head, they found an even better oil, which they named spermaceti. Yeah, I normally, uh, you know, get the spaghetti out of the box, you break it in half, throw it in the boiling water, you jack off in it, <laughs> and cover it in marinara, the end. It's a spermaceti. <laughs> I bombed a potato. <laughs> you know, the end. I don't know what the big deal is, I guess. <laughs> the big deal is you're breaking the spaghetti in half. You're not supposed to do that, you jackass. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's just, it's easier, dude. I'm a single mother. That's what I do. <laughs> I have to do that and then change my tampon. You think my kids are going to cut up their own spaghetti? You think that's just going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Kids don't know how to fucking use the, the spoon with the fork combo to actually roll spaghetti and then eat it. They're just slurping like it's jackasses. Stupid. And you just want to murder them. Could you imagine if SpaghettiOs with meatballs had, like, full-fledged long spaghetti? It would be a disaster. Yeah. It'd be a fucking disaster. They'd be over there, like, slurping those noodles up, and you're like, I'm going to John Benet Ramsey your ass. No one will ever know. What do you mean by that? Hey, I'm going to enter you into... On, re on record, what do you mean by that? I'm going to enter you into beauty pageants and take up your weekends. You think slurping spaghetti would be beautiful? Did you murder John Bonet Ramsey? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, chew your spaghetti. That's all I'm saying. She had it coming. All right, moving on. Oh, my God. In case you were wondering, spermaceti does look just like seminal fluid. Which is why the people of the 18th century named this whale the sperm whale. And not only that, they actually, I don't know if you know this, they documented that the <laughs> sperm whale's uh, penis, <laughs> forgive me, I'm immature, <laughs> uh, the sperm whale's penis was the size of a fully grown man. <laughs> yeah. Dad bought it all. Balding on top, got this bulge in the stomach. Keeps talking about barbecuing on the weekend. What a beating. <laughs> the sperm whale's penis did, uh, apparently, just from all of my readings, it, uh, it tried to live vicariously through its kids <laughs> and definitely got mad at the sperm whale penis's wife. <laughs> For not supporting the alcoholism <laughs> that the sperm whale's penis did not know it had. <laughs> a little close to home. A yeah. Close to home. I am a little disappointed they named it a sperm whale because I know there was a pole and cum fish lost in just like the slightest manner. I think that would have been better. Same. I agree with you, Chris. For once, I agree with you. <laughs> Well, this discovery turned Nantucket into Whale Town, USA. The people, who were primarily peace-loving pacifist Quakers, became obsessed with brutally stabbing whales with harpoons for financial gain. <laughs> it was so much a part of their lives that their first words that they taught their children were whaling terms like Townor, 
which meant a whale had been spotted for a second time. Mothers told bedtime stories about killing whales. Women refused to marry men who had not yet harvested a whale, and one mother even wrote with pride in her journal about her nine-year-old son attaching yarn to a fork and harpooning the family cat. Honestly? Hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. That's how all of our serial killer episodes start, but go ahead. Well, I mean, it's an ancient cat, dude. <laughs> cat would have been dead no matter what. Yeah, this cat's like 200 years old. <laughs> Come on. Kind of funny. It's a little funny. The island economy was booming and was practically recession-proof. The English were some of the biggest customers, so the people of Nantucket even used their Quaker religion to remain neutral during the war and kept selling that sweet, sweet whale fat to the Brits. They were also like, hey, would you like to try these uh, oats if you put them in hot water? It makes a really bland breakfast. Really filling. Get you going on a cold day. Like, no, just give us the fucking whales. What are you doing? No, 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 check it out. It comes in a cardboard tube. It's got a picture of our founder on it. It's pretty cool, right? I mean, it's good marketing, but uh, <laughs> no, it tastes like cardboard. So, what if we put these little things in it, look like eggs, and then when you heat it in the microwave, they turn into dinosaurs? You motherfucker! I'm in. I'm in right now. Yeah. Can you make what it like that? the Quaker Oats instant oatmeal with dinosaur eggs? What it's is a, that? It's a thing. Is a thing? It's a thing. Oh, there's no way there's chemicals involved <laughs> that would harm children. Uh, whatever. Holy shit. Dinosaurs. Sorry, I'm just kind of grumpy. Um, sperm whale, I, it, I don't, it triggers me mm-hmm. in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's because of, you know, I had a southern uncle. Yes. He had, he had his accent, and I remember him saying, yeah, get that sperm. Well, let's take you back home. <laughs> you know, so it's like sperm whale. Uh, so I don't know. It's just something about it. Just brings me back to maybe not a good time. I was 25 years old, so. Yeah, it's like fireworks with dogs. Like, I, I just need to find somewhere to hide mm-hmm. every time I hear sperm whale. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But to be clear, I was 25 years old. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very important part of the story. Yes. After my uncle and I had this contentious relationship. <laughs> Non-sexual. Yeah. On you my went, part. When it's all stomped together and one of you loved it and one of the other you thought it was kind of shit. And that was the falling out. Yeah. It's just trash cans. They're just banging trash cans on the stage. It's, it's actually kind of fucking annoying. I'm just going to say But whaling wasn't all sunshine and brain sperm. No, it was hard, dangerous work. The journey took the men on boats down to South America and eventually into the South Pacific. It took years at a time, and quite often the men did not return. In 1810, it was recorded that there were 47 fatherless children on Nantucket, and a quarter of the women over 23 or widows, allegedly. They sailed right past Fire Island. That's all I'm saying. Dad is never coming back. What do you mean? That's where all the gays go, is Fire Island. Oh. <laughs> I don't, I didn't know that. Never heard that? Never heard that before? 
Mm-mm. Mm. Can you maybe just send me the info for research <laughs> purposes? I just want to know what I'm talking about, Chris. I know. I'll send you a brochure and a, a schedule. I'll see you there. I haven't seen you in two years since COVID started. So that's not true. <laughs> oh, but but for our wives. Yes, that is true. <laughs> very true, Chris. It's been a long time. I miss you very much, buddy. <laughs> I don't have monkey pox. All right. To cope with this loneliness and depression, many women became hopelessly addicted to opium and they turned to six inch plaster penises known as he's at homes. <sighs> You know, this is a shit that pisses me off. Like, they couldn't have gone with a more realistic, modest <laughs> size. You know, there's just so many unrealistic expectations right. when you're sitting there with a a thin six-incher. It's like, God. Well, what? Am, how am I going to compete with that? Just an unbroken spaghetti noodle. You're like, that's bullshit. Break that shit in half. What are you doing? <laughs> And little-known fact, the sailors of Nantucket also had their own strange accent that confused mainland Americans. A whaleman kept his clothing in a chest. His harpoons were sharp, especially while attacking a large whale for its isle. The captain slept in his own private cabin, and the met kept the ship's log for the entire voyage. And it's it sounds awesome when it's a guy talking, but when it, you picture a woman doing it, it just sounds like a Monty Python skit. He's like, the Kippen's in his cabin! Like, what the fuck oh, are you God. saying to me? <laughs> it sounds awful. He's going out for the wheels in front of the ear. Like, oh my God. Oh, I hate it. I've never been less turned on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> And I saw my uncle's dick at my fifth birthday party. (laughs) This is worse than that. (laughs) He was just peeing on the side of the house. Wasn't a proposition. No, but I was not turned on by it. Also, I was was not turned on. (laughs) Well, this is the world 28 year old Captain George Pollard of the whale ship Essex found himself in the year 1819 as he was preparing to set sail. Built in 1799, the Essex was an old ship on its last legs. Or... (laughs) You mean sea legs? (laughs) Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. (laughs) Nice. She was small for the time at just 88 feet long and 239 tons burthen, which is fancy ship talk for how much shit it could hold. Since it was an old, little bit ship, the owners decided to cheap out on the repairs and stocked it with only the bare minimum of provisions. And when it came to finding a crew, Captain Pollard was also sort of up a creek in that regard. He was a freshly promoted rookie captain, which meant he got to pick his crew only after every other captain in Nantucket had done so. As a result, there weren't enough men from Nantucket to field a crew, and Pollard had to turn to nearby Boston and hire seven black sailors. 
Now, this was 1819, and slavery and racism were the rules of the day, but the Quakers were actually super progressive for their time. They didn't care what race you were. If you were a Quaker from Nantucket, you were trusted more than the outsiders, but other than that, sailors were judged by the quality of their work. There once was a man from Nantucket, whose dick was so long he could suck it. He said with a grin, as he wiped off his chin, If my ear was a cunt, I could fuck it. (laughs) Quality. Quality. So good. Poetry, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Chase was also more aggressive and cocksure than Pollard, and he was fairly certain that he was more than ready to be the captain of a ship. On the flip side, Pollard desperately wanted to be Ted Lasso. Just, Just love me, guys. I'm a nice guy. I'll make you some cookies before you come to work. You know, just love me. The results of their differing management styles would have dire consequences on the upcoming voyage. 100 Proof History The ship and its 21-man crew left Nantucket on August 12th, 1819. The people of Nantucket were stupidly superstitious, so when they saw a comet in July and a horde of crop-destroying grasshoppers in early August... They just knew the ship was doomed. Or at least that's what they'd say later, after it had been verifiably doomed. (laughs) Meanwhile, on the ship, the relatively new sailors were dealing with their first bouts of seasickness. Luckily for them, the experienced crewmates knew you could cure seasickness by swallowing a piece of pork fat tied to a piece of string and then yanking it back out of your throat. And you know what? If you threw up, you just repeated that process until you stopped puking. Seasickness cured. Developing a tolerance. I really don't <laughs> see a problem. <laughs> Like me, like every morning after we podcast, we just throw up. Just, just get it over with. Just if you void your bowels completely, this hangover will go away. I promise. If not, I'm gonna start making promises to God about yeah. quitting drinking. I put, yeah, I'm same way, dude. I, uh, I put pork up my butt, just a little mm. piece of bacon. Like, mm-hmm. oh, please void this, <laughs> void this interior. <laughs> and I promise I'll be better. And it doesn't happen. See, you so. use a pork and I a piece of bacon as your pork. I use a different kind of pig. It's a guinea pig with a little rope tied to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> the it's old like, uh, Richard Gere model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember when he was trying to repent back yeah, in the day. Tr- Trying to get over his hangover. That's all he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) On the third day of the trip, the crew spotted a large black cloud rushing towards them. Now the proper thing, as a nautical expert I can tell you, the proper thing to do would have been to shorten sail. Which means you lower certain sails, uh, parts of the sails, to decrease their resistance to the wind, you know, the amount of wind they're catching, 
you know, you, you want to you lessen that in, a, in a, a squall, as we call it, on the ocean. That you've never been on. Oh, no, I'm terrified of the ocean. Okay. All right. If I can't touch the bottom, I am not getting in it. I'm out. <laughs> a fish touched me. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, Captain Pollard decided that only little girls would be scared of a cloud and left the ship at full sail. When the sky filled with lightning and the sound of the angels bowling in heaven, Pollard changed his mind, but it was too late. He attempted to turn the ship, but instead the wind and the storm caught him as the Essex was sideways. As a result, the ship tipped over onto its side and was just about to capsize before the wind let up and the ship was able to right itself. The Essex was heavily damaged. The sails had been torn, the cookhouse was destroyed, and three of the ship's smaller whaleboats were lost. Now, this was kind of a big deal, because the whaleboats were needed to, like, I don't know, hunt whales and stuff. What? (laughs) Fucking crazy, right? Crazy olden Hmm. times. Okay. These guys are weird. (laughs) Each ship was supposed to have three whaleboats and two spares, but the Essex was down to just two working boats. Captain Pollard took a good hard look at his ship and he said, quote, fake quote, we don't have this written down quote, but I'm sure it happened, quote, Men, I cannot in good conscience continue this journey in the dire shape we find ourselves in currently. We shall return to Nantucket for repairs and resupply. End fake quote. Should have been real quote. Very brave captain quote. Nice, dude. Nailed it. Before anyone else could respond, first mate Owen Chase said, Hey, fuck that shit. Fuck Nantucket. Fuck you, Captain Pollard. We're going to go kill some fucking whales. Woo! And he grabbed his crotch for emphasis. He was probably shirtless, too, holding a bottle of Jaeger. Oh, yeah. It's all in it, man. Tribal tattoos going around <laughs> yeah. the biceps. Hundy percent. Backwards Lakers cap. Just really getting into that whole college atmosphere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Captain Pollard, who was the captain of the ship and, you know, had control of everything, went like, Okay, guys, if that's what you want to do, we'll just keep going on. We should press on, okay? Everybody like that? Everybody cool with that? Yeah. He acquiesced like a little bitch. He did. Not what a leader should do. Mm-mm. You need a strong leader. Someone who says, I need to keep these nuclear documents at my golf course. <laughs> True. <laughs> By September... The crew had reached the Azores and picked up some veggies. Just getting some little celeries and carrots and stuff, making a crudite platter. As they sailed off, they happened upon a wrecked ship and were able to purchase one of its whaleboats. Captain Pollard was then able to trade a barrel and a half of beans for some hogs, which gave the men some meat to eat, but also turned the deck of the Essex into a poo-covered wasteland. The Essex then sailed south across the equator and along the coastline of South America. It wasn't until October that they saw their first whale. The whaleboats went out to kill the beast, but right as they were about to stab it, 
with their steely knives, the whale struck their boat with its tail, and they had to limp back to the Essex. Steely knives? Yeah. A little solid, Hotel California. Solid joke, dude. Solid <laughs> joke. Good job. The Eagles. That actually uh, that made me laugh a little bit. You don't ever do that, Chris. You don't ever fucking make me laugh. But that was a good one. No one ever sees the Eagles jokes coming. That was a good one. Don't fucking. <laughs> I'm bathing in it right now. That'll keep me going for like another two years. Bathing in the uh, spermaceti? I would if I could. Trust me. Yes, you would. A little brain cum. Their luck would change a few days later. Whales were once again spotted, and the whale boats were sent back out. This time, one of the crewmen was able to sink a harpoon into a sperm whale. Now, the harpoon doesn't actually kill the whale. It's attached to a rope, which allows the men to pull themselves up close to the whale. Then, one of them grabs a 12-foot lance and repeatedly stabs the whale in the area of its lungs up to 15 times, surrounding the whale boat in a rushing river of bright red blood. Sounds kind of torturous. Not gonna lie. It gets worse. Oh, I know! (laughs) Eventually, the whale would choke on its own blood, and its blowhole would erupt in a geyser of gore, prompting, prompting the men to shout, Chimney is a fire! <laughs> we did it, fellas! We are God's greatest creatures! Look upon us and weep! <laughs> mm, I'm only laughing because it hurts. It's weird and it's close to home. Uncle stuff. <laughs> he said the same thing when he climaxed. Chimney is a fire, boy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, mm-hmm. when he said that, I was like, Uncle, what do you mean, boy? I'm a man. I'm 18. I turned 18 today. So. <laughs> you know, you're wearing the clown costume. You know what this affair is. Yeah. And it actually immediately stopped him. I don't know why. <laughs> he was... Extremely disinterested at that point. <laughs> You've been a real downer since your little brother died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Chris uh, uh, evoking my dead brother for a joke. I like yeah. it. <laughs> what? One of the episodes you talked about him coming to your dead brother's funeral. Oh, don't you try to fucking justify it. <laughs> yes, my dead brother that never existed. Yes. I am offended about it. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> Well, after the blowhole would spew gore into the air, the men would row away as the whale went into what is known as its flurry, which involved the whale violently thrashing around as it puked up everything it had eaten until finally the whale was nothing more than a giant corpse floating peacefully in its own blood and vomit. 
sweet and serene. Mm-hmm. You know, nature's beautiful. Mm. This is what God intended. Mm. The whale was then towed back to the Essex, where its skin was peeled off in strips, and the blubber was harvested. Once that was done, the whale was decapitated, and the spermaceti was removed from its skull by the bucketful. Then, one or two men climbed inside the skull just to make sure that they got all that sweet, delicious whale brain cum. (laughs) Hearing that, (laughs) not even thinking about a whale, you know, being killed and harvested, Mm -hmm. but just hearing the three words together, (laughs) whale brain cum, makes me feel bad. Yeah, it's 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 pretty rough. But then, Greg, it was time to render that fat into oil, and burning it produced a smell that one whaleman said was quote too horribly nauseous for description. End quote. This whole process, known as trying out, lasted up to three days. At the end, the ship and the men would be covered in gore. And then they'd all high-five and go do it again. You did it, fellas. You fucking raped and pillaged Mother Nature. (laughs) Now that guy back in Nantucket's gonna be able to look at his wood carvings and know where the clitoris is. Maybe. If it's real, we've heard tale of such things. (laughs) (laughs) The white whale, if you will. (laughs) We don't believe it's true, but it may be. (laughs) Here we are on the seas. We're ready to find it. (laughs) Is it real? Is it fiction? Is it myth? (laughs) We don't know. That's... uh, Yeah. Good point, David. (laughs) The next time my wife lets me flop around on top of her, and we're like, Baby, let me get at your white whale. <laughs> and that will end sex for the next year, at least. But I think it'll be worth it. Hell yeah. Totally worth it. Dude, sometimes you got to do it for the bit. <laughs> you know? That's what sex is all about, the bits. Yeah. You just got to you gotta lean in. Like, hey. Let me get that back pussy. What are you, what are you talking mean? about? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, you know, maybe we could spice things up. All right, no. Never having sex again. You're done. You joke, but that actually happened to me when I started playing that clown circus music in the middle of sex. Should not appreciate that. And See? It, I don't think that's fair, because we all have our own fetishes, and mine is the sad clown. So so we both don't have sex. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. In our marriages. We, yeah. We've established In that. our marriages. Very important caveat. In our marriages. <laughs> A man has his needs. We'll put it that way. And uh, every once in a while, I spoil myself rotten. <laughs> Let you about to say every once in a while I service those needs. Oh no, I go way overboard. <laughs> I gotta stock up, you know. It's like keeping things in a jar. Yeah, I need a six month supply. 
<laughs> By January 1820, the Essex had made it around Cape Horn at the far tip of South America and were sailing up the coast of Chile. After a few luckless months there, they made it up to Peru where they killed enough whales to fill 450 barrels of oil. They also met some other whalers who told them that if they sailed a thousand miles west from Peru, there was an absolute shitload of sperm whales, but also maybe some cannibals, you know, stuff like that. You know, just some generic, be careful out there, boys. No big deal. Yeah. While they were chit-chatting, one of the sailors from Boston, Henry DeWitt, he said, man, this is... This shit is gross. I don't want to climb up in some whale head and get out the brain cum. So he said, fuck this, and he deserted, bringing the crew down to 20 men. In October of 1820, the Essex headed for the Galapagos Islands to resupply. And by resupply, I mean they trapped upwards of 180 giant tortoises in some canvas bags and hauled them back to the ship so they could all have turtle soup later. Now it turns out giant tortoises can live for over a year without any food or water, although one member of the crew noted they appeared to be suffering and licked basically everything on the ship in hopes of finding sustenance. It's funny that they uh, captured all these tortoises Mm -hmm. for turtle soup when it's like... (laughs) You stupid fucking idiots. Tortoises are not turtles. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, he's fucking morons. It's like the first time I went to a sushi bar and I got some wasabi. I'm like, man, oh, this shit's so hot. It's wasabi. And some hipster came over. He's like, you know, that's just horseradish the dad green. Like, you piece of shit. You have ruined mm-hmm. my goddamn life. Hell yeah. This was the hibachi trip that was going to save my marriage. And now, it's over. And it's your fucking fault. And he's like, well, have you watched Naruto? I'm like, get the fuck away from my table. Before leaving the beautiful Galapagos Islands, one of the sailors decided to play a hilarious prank by setting one of the islands on fucking fire. It was the dry season, and the fire soon burned out of control, forcing the men of the Essex to run through a gauntlet of flames back to the boat. <laughs> they got him, <them>. Fucking idiots. <laughs> Look at you guys almost dying. <laughs> Classic. Put this shit on my TikTok. No one was injured, but it killed thousands upon thousands of tortoises, birds, lizards, and snakes. Captain Pollard, first mate Chase, and the rest of the crew then set sail for the hunting grounds that sat a thousand miles west of the Galapagos. They had been gone for over a year and had 700 barrels of oil, which was about half what they hoped to bring home. Up to that point, they had been dickheads towards some beautiful and peaceful creatures, all in the name of getting rich off of lamplighter fluid. But Mother Nature was fucking pissed, and she was about to get her revenge in a big way. Okay. 
Didn't you hear their music, Greg? Some serious shit is about to happen. Ominous music. And we'll find out after the break. All right, welcome back. We are back from break. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Mine was actually sort of eventful, Greg. I had an eventful break. Because, uh, as you know, as I've repeated several times on the show, I live in a boarding home. Yes. Because of my various crimes and convictions. And the boarding home, it has to be like a requisite amount of distance from the local school. Is Is that correct? I don't think that's relevant to our listeners. I don't think they need to okay. know, know that information. I got um, you. Okay. We we are on certain maps that say don't trick or treat there, but uh, it's just because we give out crappy candy, I'm sure. And, you know, just uh, not a lot that's of money. That's probably the reason. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of money, yeah. you know. Uh, but one of my roommates here uh, overheard the first half of this show. And I didn't know this, but he spoke up and he said he is actually a ship captain or former ship captain on a whaling ship uh captain john ramsey and he asked if he if it'd be okay with you greg if he just came on real quick and talked about his experiences oh really yeah it's that's kind of cool weird twist of fate yeah but he has some experience i thought it'd be cool if he came on how interesting and convenient (laughs) to the show yeah it is i I blew my mind too but uh, is it cool if he hops on real quick hops on the zoom I've got a few questions I'd love to ask. Okay, okay. Hey, he said it's okay. Ah, oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. Well, uh, Captain uh, John, what do you what do you go by? Uh, well, I, I, you know, my full name is Captain John Ramsey, but I just go by my first and middle name, which is John Bonnet. It's French. <laughs> Your name is Captain, huh? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Captain Jean Bonnet. And I know what you're thinking. Um, yes, I am named after her. Just a weird bit of coincidence. Okay. Uh, so you're, what, like 20 years old? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't think about the math, it adds up. You know, just don't... Oh, really, okay. Yeah. If you don't add it up, it adds up. I got you. Okay. Correct, yes. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, and Chris tells me that you used to be a captain of a whaling ship. Oh, no, no, no. He's being way too kind. Uh, I never made it past second mitt. Uh, never got me master's degree. That's one of my biggest regrets. You know, I hit that uh, proverbial glass ceiling, and that's as high as I'm going to rise on the boat. So, you know, you do what you can. Okay. But you you did serve on a whaling ship, right? Aye, for many a year. And let me tell you, it was man's work. I've heard tale of the modern man's troubles what with their traffic jams and cubicles and their clinical depression that makes them blow their brains out in the bathroom of a Subway sandwich shop. Mm, I feel that one, yeah, yeah. But being on a ship for two years with nothing but muscle-bound men sweating as they toil away in the hopes of finding a majestic beast to kill and harvest, well, that gets the testosterone levels up and gets the blood flowing to uh, certain parts. Makes you feel like a right strong man. Mm. Okay, I'm starting to see the appeal here, honestly. That makes sense. Um, you know, it's it's funny. You wouldn't think 
there'd be much wailing that was going on these days. Uh, kind of seems like a, a brutal and unnecessary venture. How dare you? How dare you, sir? I'll tell you what's brutal and unnecessary. Watching the soul drain from a man's body as he tells his mates he can't go out clubbing with him because his wife is getting suspicious. And, of course, by clubbing, I mean whacking baby seals over the heads with tire irons. That poor, dead-eyed bastard, well, he'll never know the thrill of killing a whale, collecting his blubber for the make that sweet, sweet oil. But, I mean, we don't even use that kind of oil anymore. Don't give me that shit! You've obviously never been on a whaling boat where we slather ourselves in whale oil and get the most glorious of tans. We don't deal with none of that namby-pamby tan-line garbage. No, save for a tiny Playboy bunny marker, we tan the whole body. We even lay flat on the deck and hoist our feet to the sky to tan our taints because we saw it on Tucker Carlson. You ever watch Tucker? You see that one on... On TV on the land, do you get Tucker on land? No, I yes, I don't watch it. <laughs> oh, okay. what is this taint business? Well, it's supposed to be really good for you, for your your health. Where you, you tan the taint and the is genitals. Is this a thing? This is a very big thing. It's on TikTok and everything now. I I can't believe I'm having to explain this to you. Ah, oh, boy. Well, I got some some googling to do. Uh, well, anyway, this episode is about a shipwreck. Do you? Have any experience in that field, by chance? Uh, aye, I do. T'was after my whaling career fell apart. Like I mentioned, I hadn't defended my thesis yet, so I didn't get that master's degree from ha- <laughs> So I was serving on a pleasure vessel that was sailing off the coast of Fire Island. What when does I heard- that mean? <laughs> what? What's a pleasure vessel? <laughs> Sorry, let me answer that in character. <laughs> it's where all the men's dreams comes true. Okay. Exactly what I thought. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Continue. It's a certain type of cruise that certain people, maybe people named crews, would vote against. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> Well, the vessel was sailing off the coast of Fire Island when I heard the most beautiful song ever composed. It drew the entire crew into a trance, and the captain steered toward the voices from where it was coming. As we was approaching the coast, I happened to spot the three most beautiful drag queens I have ever seen, and they was singing the song that I can still hear to this day. Why waste me time? You know you're gonna be mine. <laughs> By the time we saw the rocks, it was too late. The ship ran aground and sank, and nearly a soul survived. Not even me. Okay, well. You're obviously an insane person who's making all of this up, so, uh, we're gonna end the interview now. Thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Can't I just what? give out a, a shout-out first? A shout-out? Yes, a shout-out to one of, one oh. of, somebody's got me through some hard times. 
Go ahead. I just wanted to wish a happy birthday to my boy, JTT. You know him from Home Improvement. John- Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, being a Wayland second mate is uh, it's very difficult. And I just wanted to give JTT the shout out because he'll never know how many lonely nights at sea his Tiger Beat cover photos got me through. Okay, well, uh, get the fuck out. <laughs> you can right. uh, give Chris the headphones back. Thank you. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for having me on. Oh, man, I'm sorry I missed that. How did that go? Good? Was it good? Oh, dude, it was fantastic. Oh, I wish I was there for that. Oh, man. Yeah. Consummate professional, Captain <laughs> John. Also, why is he in the home that oh. can't be near a school? Uh, I don't know. I, I know why, don't I? He mentioned something about Jonathan Taylor Thomas and the set of Home Improvement, but I, you know, that guy just talks so much. He has so many great stories that you just kind of filter him out. Did, after did he go to jail in the mid nineties? <laughs> you know. Okay, he, I, he, I, I have a feeling why he's there. All right, we all have our demons, Greg. It's a long time. It's America, land of the second chances, and land of the second half seltzers. <laughs> what a fucking setup. Let's fucking go. Second half Seltzer. Second half Seltzer. Second half Seltzer. And three, two, one. Bup. Ooh. I got it on me. <laughs> Again, it's always so exciting. No, to see that you. fucking shotgun bullshit. <laughs> Still angry about it. I still have like two of them down there in the little mini fridge here in the HPH studio, mm -hmm. number Pro one. Provided by our patrons. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you very much. $3 a month, billion episodes, early access, yada, yada, yada. But I should just throw them in the trash. I don't want them. Maybe I'll give them to somebody and prank them. Because, dude, <laughs> they fucking explode. They're like Peter North seltzers. <laughs> and for those that don't know Peter North, he's an old school porn star that uh slang ropes. So look it up. Look him up. Thank me thank me later. <laughs> dude was shooting fucking whips, dude. Sorry, I know you're trying to talk about history, but <laughs> that dude is history. has a lot of semen. That is history. A lot of semen. I can't uh can't argue against you there. It is history. It's it's more than twenty years old. Yeah. It happened. There have been books about it. Fucking nailed it, dude. <laughs> well, I feel like uh I feel like Captain John Bonet Ramsey. He went a little long, and I don't want to dally too much here. Are you ready to tell the people the rest of this story, Greg? Greg Greg It's happening right. again. As long as you're ready to <laughs> hit puberty, I'm ready. Finally fucking happening for me. <laughs> Well, I've already opened the second half seltzer, so I can't wait, dude. Let's fucking do it. Can you tell John Benet Ramsey to put his penis back in his pants? I see it on the Zoom. Okay, okay, I'm going. Fuck. I like saying, can you tell John Benet Ramsey to put his <laughs> penis back in his pants? <laughs> that is a twist I did not see coming in that story. <laughs> Everyone had it wrong. <laughs> JonBenet Ramsey actually 
escaped, kidnapped a little girl that looked exactly like her, <laughs> killed her, and then is now a an aspiring captain <laughs> of a whaling vessel in 2022. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly and, what happened. And she has a dick. <laughs> yeah, she won't put away. But she couldn't afford normal, like, cadaver penis. Mm-hmm. So she has a whale's penis. That <laughs> was giant. It's the size it's of a fully ten, grown it's man. It's ten feet long. <laughs> and she's walking around at like five foot four, and she's got a ten foot long whale dick. It doesn't even look like a human dick. Its size obviously is not proportional in the slightest. Do I have to go downstairs? It really hurts my dick. <laughs> that poor John Bonet. <laughs> Suffered enough. Oh, I just got your text message. It's what? John Beignet. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, we're going to be in, like, legal problems if it was John Benet Ramsey, like the... That... It's a different person, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That little girl that died. What? This is John John Beignet, like the little donut things in New Orleans. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's... Good. That That saves us a lot of trouble. Yep. All right. Just like our producer's name, Wolf Dick. Yes. Uh, not to be confused with Dick Wolf, who yeah. is a television producer. This is a podcast producer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've both slept with my wife, though. So. <laughs> All right. On November 20th, 1820, the Essex was 1,500 nautical miles west of the Galapagos Islands, and 40 miles south of the equator when the ship's lookout spotted whales in the distance. It was about 8 in the morning. The skies were sunny and blue. No one knows what a dew point actually is, but you can, you know, just instill a little trust in me. Just just give me your trust. The dew point was just where you'd want it to be. It was a perfect day for killing whales. All of our meteorologists... How do you say that Whoa, word? Whoa. <laughs> you what? say that word? Meteorologist? That's how you say that. There you go. All of our meteorologist listeners are just punching the dash right now. They're so pissed at you. I think they're pissed at you, too. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck did he just call me? He called me a meteorologist? That's somebody that studies meteors. <laughs> Stupid. Owen Chase hopped in the lead whale boat, which had been damaged a year earlier on the flip side of South America, and he headed towards the whales with the two other whale boats close behind. But as soon as Chase got close to the whale and jabbed it with a harpoon, it began to thrash and smash a hole in the boat. Chase ordered his men to throw their coats and shirts into the hole and rowed the boat back to the Essex for repairs. Don't forget to throw your undies in, boys. Clog up that hole. <laughs> Sir, it's it seems to be keeping water just fine. Are you the captain, or am I? Hmm. <laughs> I said clog those holes, boys. Take off your undergarments so that I can plug yours. <laughs> I've got this jar of blubber I've been saving for just such an occasion. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, sir, Uncle Owen Chase. <laughs> first mate. Oh, and he was your first mate. That's crazy. What a crazy coincidence. 
What? That your uncle was your first mate. On that ship you were on together. My uncle was definitely my first mate. <laughs> on that 18-foot speedboat. <laughs> out on Lake Travis. Middle of international waters. That's what he said. Fans can't get me here, boy. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Cheers. You don't have to have pubic hair in international waters. <laughs> yes, sir, uncle. <laughs> he made me call him sir, uncle. So <laughs> It was a respect thing. Even though he was your first mate. He was my first mate. Yeah, that's crazy that he you had to call him. He sir. was also my first date. <laughs> we had fifty first dates. <laughs> For some reason, you never remembered any of them, just like that movie. Yeah, and he got to fuck on all of them. <laughs> Nineteen was a hell of a year for you. Yeah, they started on my eighteenth birthday. Let's just be clear. <laughs> I like to thank all of the new listeners that listened this far. Uh, well, thanks for checking us out. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, this is a fair sample of what you should expect from all of our episodes. Yeah. This is, yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest here. If we try to keep you around, you're just going to see that it's, it's only <laughs> it's, this. It's going to get all worse. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks again for giving us a try. Sorry it didn't work out. We're like the married chick with three kids that puts all of our red flags on the Tinder profile. Just put it out there. Let's not waste time here. Oh, yeah. Like that, uh, the sign on the front lawn that says, In this house, we believe pee is stored in the balls. Birds aren't real. Squirt is mostly pee. I identify <laughs> as an attack helicopter. We out here doing hella gangsta shit and bottom text. <laughs> yeah. It hits you. That's real. It's that mom. Yeah. Well, when you think of whales, you probably think of those whale noises you hear on like your sound machine as you fall asleep and wonder you know, if your wife is really just friends with that 25-year-old yoga instructor who only gives lessons at his apartment after 10 p.m. for some reason. It's COVID, is what she told me. It's COVID-19. Hmm. Okay. It's her get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't know what she's doing anymore. A lot of people use COVID as the get-out-of-jail-free card, you know? <laughs> oh. I, I guess Ooh. she's doing it, too. Ooh. Are we going fucking spicy right-wing right now, dude? <laughs> Let's do it. It's just the flu. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the flu. Let's go, boys. Only like 1.5% people died. Okay. <laughs> Who cares? I think my grandma would be willing to lay down her life to make sure we have lower prices at the grocery store. Because she's a red-blooded American. Let's kill her. Oh, I can't fucking wait. That bitch has it coming. Give me a quilt for Christmas. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Oh, a card. No money? Oh, hmm. 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 You gave me underwear, and you stapled $5 bills around the band of it. You realize you ruined the band when you did that, <laughs> you stupid bitch. Why don't you just stuff them in the band like my uncle does? 
<laughs> you never cease to amaze me, my boy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but sperm whales communicate with clicks that reach up to 230 decibels, can be heard from hundreds of miles away, and sound oddly like a hammer hitting a nail. And that's kind of relevant. Just something to keep in mind, since at this point in our story, first mate Owen Chase is hammering nails into a whale boat to fix it, while surrounded by whales in the middle of whale mating season. Ah, well, not, not relevant. Irrelevant point. Wasting the listener time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sh- I, I don't even know why I said it. Chase was hard at work when he looked up and saw the largest whale he'd ever seen, allegedly 85 feet long, floating along the surface about 100 yards away. The whale spouted two or three times, dove underwater, and resurfaced around 35 yards from the ship. Suddenly, it picked up speed and barreled towards the Essex and smashed right into the side of the ship, knocking every man off his feet and sent giant tortoises flying across the bow of the ship. Never before in the entire history of Nantucket whaling had a whale attacked a ship. No one knew what to do. Chase moved to stab the whale, which was sitting dazed beside the hull of the ship, but he hesitated because he was worried it would thrash and destroy the ship's rudder. The whale then swam about 600 yards ahead of the ship and turned around. Then it charged. This time the whale struck the Essex head on lifted the 238-ton ship out of the water and began to push it backwards. The bow of the ship was crushed. Water rushed in as men panicked to try and scramble onto the whaleboat Chase had been repairing. By the time the rest of the crew, who were still out in the other two whaleboats, realized what had happened, the Essex had flooded and capsized. The whale calmly swam away, never to be seen again. My bro was just trying to get some strange. It's like, what's that clicking noise? Oh, that bitch wanna fuck. She sent me the... <laughs> you up? Look at that wooden bitch. What's up, girl? I'm just sitting here in the ocean and hear click, 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 click. You up? What you doing? W-Y-D. And he was like, oh, it's time. It's go time. He came over with the Bartles and James. I got this fucking whale dick, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Got this John Monet Ramsey dick just dragging Hell across yeah. the carpet. Mm. Mm. John... <laughs> Beignet, Ramsey, I'm Beignet. sorry. Yeah, 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 sorry. Beignet. Yeah. <laughs> so Hell yeah, girl. Yeah. Damn. You shit with that ass? <laughs> you shit with that fucking wood ass? Damn. <laughs> Give me wood right now, I'll tell you what. Oh. <laughs> and then she just shut it all down. She's like, no. No means no. And he's like, fine. Go back to sea. Live my life. Well, the men rode back to Essex and began to salvage everything they could from the wreck. Fortunately, the ship's steward, William Bond, had gone to the lower decks and retrieved the navigational equipment before the ship had flooded. You, know, you, can get, the, you get the little Garmin GPS out of there. And <laughs> the fish shit. finder. Whatever the fuck navigational equipment was back then. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> it was just a big patch of grass and you pick it up like in golf and drop it in the wind to see which way it's blowing. That's a golf joke 
for all of our golfers. All of our golfers. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> well, through the holes they hacked in the side of the boat, the the hole, if you will, the men were able to extract 600 pounds of hardtack, a few barrels of fresh water, and several tortoises. Tortoisei? I think if I said tortoise, it sounds smarter. Tortoisei. And hogs that they just happen to be like, they survived and they were, they're sinking. Right. But they're like, fuck, dude. Like, babe, sitting there. (laughs) And they were, you know, swimming towards the boats, just trying to be saved. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, for a little bit. Where they got turned into soups and and such. And bacon. I do like how you were like, oh, I'm going to say tortoise to be smart. And then said the word hogs. Because there's no way to say the word hogs and sound like a smart person. Like, Ma, the hogs gotten out again. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yes, sir. There were some hogs there. He's like, how do you use that fucking word? The anti-disestablishmentarianism of the modern man, it, it will only run amok, and they will eventually revolt. And when they revolt, they will find the nearest hog. <laughs> They're not saying that. <laughs> well, the next morning, the crew was divided into three boats, which were placed under the command of Captain Pollard, first mate Chase, and second mate Matthew Joy. The men built sails for the small whaleboats and used wood from the sinking Essex to build up the sides of the boats to make them more seaworthy. Meanwhile, the Essex leaked whale oil into the surrounding sea that splashed onto the men and their small whaleboats, making them slippery and dangerous to move around in. You know, the men, I would assume, probably got pretty oily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little glistening, yeah. Well, these men, they needed a plan of action. Captain Pollard figured the closest islands were the Marquesas, but he feared going there because he had heard the islands were full of cannibals and homosexuals. So that was a no-go. Yes, yes, we know. But in their eyes, homosexuality was the moral equivalent of eating human flesh. Same thing. Yeah. And they're just trying to eat hogs on those boats. About 2,000 miles away were the Society Islands, featuring the tropical paradise island of Tahiti. You may have heard of it. I don't know. I have. I'm cultured. I'm traveled and... Stuff. Renowned and stuff, so... Fuck you, listener. (laughs) You know? Fuck you! Captain Pollard told his men to have some goddamn faith, because he had a plan. But it was not to be. <laughs> Instead of Captain Pollard having a an actual good idea, instead, first mate Chase and second mate Joy said that uh, instead of sailing 2,000 miles to some islands that were probably full of man-eating gay dudes... They should sail 1,000 miles south, then catch the wind, which would 
take them the remaining 3,000 miles to Chile or Peru. They figured the whole trip would take about 60 days, and they definitely had plenty of food and water for that. Captain Pollard once again said, Well, it looks like I've been outvoted, and a ship without a devotion to democracy isn't any sort of ship I want to be the captain of. And he agreed to Chase and Joy's plan. I like this guy. He doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. Just wants to make, make people happy. And that's what it's all about. That's how I live my life. That's what leaders are supposed to do is you placate constantly. You never put your foot down. Immediately give up all power. Yeah, dude. That's how you lead, yeah. That's a good leader. (laughs) Said the subordinate. (laughs) Said the sub-dude. The sub-dude. What's up, dude? (laughs) Each boat was given 200 pounds of hardtack, 65 gallons of water, and two Galapagos tortoises. Each man would be rationed six ounces of hardtack and a half a pint of water a day, a.k.a. eight ounces. The food amounted to about 500 calories, which sucked, but the big problem was the water, because the human body requires at least a pint a day to remove its waste products. To make matters worse, their hardtack was soaked with seawater, which of course, introduced more salt into their body and forced their kidneys to work overtime to pull fluid from the body to excrete the salt. AKA, they needed more water than they originally needed. Can you imagine the calf cramps while you're sleeping at night, just enjoying a nice dream, and they wake up like, fuck, 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 and just grabbing the calf, like trying to massage it. Oh, you get those bad boys? Oh, I'm constantly dehydrated. I'm definitely, I I can relate to these guys because half a pint of water, that seems like an extreme amount to me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I drank 12 sodas today and an energy drink and 14 seltzers. I'm definitely hydrated. Look how clear my pee is right now. My kidneys are doing great. Yay. (laughs) By November 26th, The three boats had made significant progress to the south, as they planned, but the wind and a few storms had actually carried them to the west, meaning after six days, they weren't any closer to their destination. In the name of speed, they opted not to tie their boats together and just hoped they could stay within a hundred feet of each other. The same night they decided this, Chase heard Captain Pollard crying out for help. His whaleboat had been attacked by an orca, also known as a killer whale. The boat didn't sink, but the entire next day was spent repairing the damage. They soon began to butcher the tortoises and drink their blood to fight off their thirst. Tortoise-eye. Oh, yeah. God damn it. I'm sorry. (laughs) See, now I look dumb. (laughs) Jesus. The turtle meat, which was cooked using the tortoise shell as a pot, gave the men a much-needed energy boost and gave them renewed hope of salvation. They sailed onward, and by December 9th, had found that they had sailed 1,100 nautical miles. But the wind had pushed them even further to the west, meaning that they were further away from South America than when they had started. At that point, they were parallel to Tahiti, 
and would have reached it within a week had they only decided to actually turn into that wind and sail westward. But the gays, Greg. What if there are gays there? That's true. The gays are so <laughs> nice. I would have had such a good time. They would have had a blast. I would have probably had to call my wife at some point and been like, Babe, I've made a mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> we probably shouldn't be married. You know? I mean, the party they threw them when they landed would have been on fucking point. There would have been a theme. The music would have been just fucking dynamite. The drinks. They would have been a little, you know, cocktail fruity for my taste. I drink straight liquor most of the time. But... <laughs> I think I could have enjoyed it. I think I could have gotten into it. <laughs> oh, but the music, though. Oh, the music. <laughs> oh, dude. Get you some of fucking that. Why me? waste me time? Get out of here! God damn it. You let him right up on the mic, huh? Oh, he got right up in here. He yeah. basically kissed me. <laughs> he snuck up on you there. Yeah. So quiet that guy is. Uh-huh. Well, things were getting, um, let's just say, pretty desperate on Chase's boat. He transferred the food to his sea chest, and whenever he slept, he did so with his arm draped over that chest and a loaded gun in his other hand. That's just so, like, movie-typical. What? Wait, you that's how... That's how we all sleep in the boarding home. Oh. <laughs> Nobody's getting my fucking spicy shrimp ramen. Fucking bitches. Can you just come over in my Nobody's room? Nobody's getting my young boy underwear collection. <laughs> you fucking weirdos. By young, I mean like under 20. I thought you way. meant like Chinese guys named Young. Are you proud of this podcast? Are you ever like, hey, check out my podcast? Because I'm not. I hate like, myself. Please don't listen to that. Please don't. <laughs> you found that? Oh, shit. Don't tell anybody, babe. Please, don't tell. When I'm introduced to, like, strangers and somebody's like, oh, yeah, you know, Greg has a podcast. I'm like, no, 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 Inside. No, no, no. I'm smiling outwardly, but on the inside, I'm like, no, 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 please, God, no. I don't want to have to explain this shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is all it is for me is a way to make money and a way to get rid of the trauma that my uncle has caused me <laughs> for free or for I, I guess for money yeah i don't know what he did nah, he's just mean to me <laughs> and he fucked me on my 18th birthday <laughs> you know for the first time, Get, I... With, with consent. With consent. <laughs> I actually seduced him. <laughs> he showed up, and I was wearing the whipped cream bikini from Varsity Blues. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> By December 14th, the guys had cut back their hardtack rations in half down to just three ounces a day. As a visibly excited Bear Grylls looked on and uh, gave himself a little nipple rub, the men began to drink their own urine. 
My God loves urine drinking, man. I don't know what it is. The boat soon reached what is known as the desolate area of the Pacific Ocean, where the water's deep and calm, and there's almost no wildlife. After a few days in this very fun vacation spot, Pollard ordered his men to row their way out of the calm. By now, all of the men's muscles had wasted away, and their arms were nothing more than sticks. They could barely lift the oars, let alone row the boat. But fortunately, just a few days later, they spotted land, Christopher. Land ho. That's what they call me at the truck stop. (laughs) The men spent Christmas of 1820 on Henderson Island, although they thought it was Ducey Island. Do you know that? I did not know that. Yes, you did. You wrote this fucking outline, you stupid bitch. Damn it, I'm just trying to play along. We do the improv thing of yes and. You never say no in improv. Just trying to be on your team. Fuck you, Chris. (laughs) Well, here on Ducey Island, they found a somewhat unreliable spring that was only exposed during low tide, and it didn't provide much water. They also found some birds and eggs to eat. By December 27th, they decided that they weren't going to be able to survive on this island. But three men said, fuck that, and they actually decided to stay. No one in the three whale boats objected because it meant more food and water for them. That makes sense. Oh, you don't want to come with us. Oh, no. Oh, oh, man, I'll miss you, bro. Dude, peace, peace. Say hello to your mother for me. Oh, I will. <laughs> like, wait, you're going to fuck my mom? As the boat's sailing away. Hey, and the, dude, the dude's just me? nodding. He's like, yep. Furiously masturbating. Dude. Just in case the nodding wasn't enough. <laughs> I want to get this point across. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck you, Owen Chase! <laughs> <laughs> well, Captain Pollard and his remaining 16 men sailed back into the Pacific with dreams of landing at nearby Easter Island. You know, they got all the big stone-headed men. And bunnies. Or women. <laughs> we don't know. By January 3rd, they realized... They had already sailed too far south to reach Easter Island and would have to sail another 2,500 miles to some islands off the coast of Chile. By this time, they had finished all of the fish and birds they'd taken from Henderson Island and were back down to 8 ounces of water and 3 ounces of hardtack a day. Fucking sounds like a nightmare. The boat of second mate Matthew Joy was in the worst shape. He had fallen ill and had completely lost control of his boat's rations. On January 10th, 1821, Matthew Joy died and was buried at sea. It was soon realized that Joy's boat only had enough rations to last two or three more days, which, (laughs) that's probably how he died, you know. Ate himself to death. Oh, yeah. Like Piece of the Hut from Spaceballs. <laughs> That's not funny. This dude fucking dies and his <laughs> boat doesn't have enough rations for everyone. It's like, no, yeah, his 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 intestines burst and he died of an infection. 
And he was fat as shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was not a good guy at all. <laughs> anyway, the boat was placed under the command of sailor Odeb Hendricks. And Captain Pollard shared his rations. But by January 20th, 14 days after the Holy Day, they were almost completely out of food. <laughs> we still don't know what happened to Ashley Babbitt and why her killer hasn't been brought to justice. And that's what this entire podcast has been about. She was in the Air Force like me. Yep. Real, real talk on that one. American hero. But she also fucked around and found out. You know? Yeah, she, she did. Well, it was on that day, 14 days after... The Holy Day. The Holy Day of January 6th. <clears throat> Insurrection Day. Uh, that one of the African-American sailors from Boston uh, named Lawson Thomas, he up and died. Mm. There was little discussion of what had to be done. The men were going to eat their dead crewmate. His body was butchered and roasted on a flat stone in the bottom of the boat. The more they ate the hungrier they got. So when another Boston sailor named Charles Shorter died two days later, they didn't hesitate to cook and eat him too. The process was repeated yet again when Isaiah Shepard and Samuel Reed died. And it's important to note um, here that all of these guys who have died so far are the African-American sailors from Boston. And it's a little bit surprising, a little bit not, the Quakers were very racially progressive, as we mentioned earlier in the show. But these guys would have gotten less uh, nutrition. They would have been fed worse living in Boston at the time. And there have been medical scientific studies. Treading on thin ice here. I don't want to tread on thin ice, but our main source mentions this. There have been scientific studies that show that African Americans have more muscle content and less fat content than their Caucasian counterparts. And because of that, they would have died sooner because they had less fat to burn to survive. I don't think that's really treading on thin ice. And that's also an American byproduct. Oh, for sure. And it makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. Because these people were brought over for slavery. And they would go through islands like Curacao, where slave trading was huge, and chopping block. Yeah. And so the ones that made it here were the ones that looked like they could work more. You know, it's sad and fucking disgusting. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a part of black America. Those were people that were chosen for two things, work and breeding. And that's yeah. it, you know? Yeah, that's fair. It's just hard to talk about. As... Yeah, we're telling all these fucking jokes, and you got to go and bring that up. <laughs> you piece of shit. That's me, baby. No, yeah, it sucks, man. Well, like Chris said, I guess, unfortunately... The meat had almost no fat in it, and therefore was hard to digest and offered very little nutritional value. 
a month after our holy day on <laughs> February 6th, the men were hungry again, but no one had died. Unlike Ashley Babbitt, who was assassinated on the holiest of days. I hope they know we're joking. Imagine dying with a <laughs> Trump flag around your neck. I know, right? Gosh. Imagine dying for that fat piece of shit. Thinking you're a patriot. Whoa. No, I'm good with it. I, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm okay. good with it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I that was a line in the sand. And I was like, yeah. Right. I've been on this it. side of the line for like three years. Okay, I'm yeah, good with it. Yeah. But I, I didn't want somebody to make me. <laughs> anyway, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on uh, our, our holy day, a month a month after that, February 6th, uh, the men were hungry again, but no one had died. And it was then they decided to cast lots by putting scraps of pieces of paper in a hat and drawing them to see who got the smallest. It came down to Captain Pollard's own nephew, Owen Coffin. Pollen actually offered to take the boy's place, but he refused. The boy was shot by his best friend, and his body was soon butchered and eaten. Fucking brutal, dude. Right? I don't know. You're my best friend. I don't think you'd hesitate to shoot me in the back of the head so you could survive. Yeah, but it's me. <laughs> Normal people aren't like that. That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> I thought I was your best friend. Ugh. Let you on one show. One fucking show. Will you please kick that piece of shit out? I told you, he's much stronger than me. I have no control over this situation. <laughs> Just look nice covered in all that fucking whale oil. <laughs> Playboy bunny Which on his hip. I can only imagine how rancid that must smell. Because he collected it in the late 1800s. <laughs> At first, it smells terrible, but after a while, you, you start having this weird reaction to it. Which, I won't go into graphic detail. Let's just say, I'm sailing at full mast. I have a boner, Greg. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so it went. One by one, the men died, and they were eaten. One sailor had gone mad before dropping dead. His boatmates attempted to dry his meat, but it turned rancid. Oh, there's that word again. Leading them to believe his madness had tainted it. Despite eating and drinking... The men were still starving to death and had developed painful boils and swelling that made moving nearly impossible. On February 18th, 89 days after the Essex was struck by the whale, the boat carrying first mate Chase was spotted and the two other surviving men aboard were saved. Five days later, the boat carrying Captain Pollard and the other crewmate was likewise rescued. Eventually, the three men who refused to leave Henderson Island were found, and, thankfully, they were in good health and brought back to America. The third boat, which had been placed under the command of Obed Hendricks, was never found. Still out there to this day? Maybe? First mate Owen Chase published his account of the disaster, and it became national news in a bestseller. No one was hesitant 
to talk about how they resorted to cannibalism. A young writer named Herman Melville took great interest in the story and would later use it as a basis for his famous novel, Moby Penis. Excuse me, Moby Dick. Ripped from the headlines, just like a famous TV producer who has sued us in the past. Ah, Dick Wolf. Yep. Yeah, we can't control the name of our producer, Wolf Dick. It's just a weird coincidence. Captain Pollard would be given another ship, but it too would sink, and he'd eventually retire to Nantucket, where he worked as a watchman once a year, where he would remember his lost crew by locking himself in a room and refusing to eat for a full day. <laughs> what a really hero. paying his penance, yeah, you know? Yeah, what a hero, yeah. I died with him that day. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It's like on 9-11, I just cover myself in chimney ash and walk around the streets. God. Jeez. We all suffered. Unbelievable. In 1846, a fire spread throughout the city of Nantucket. There was no fire department, just private fire companies and the stored barrels of oil soon ignited. By morning, almost a third of the town was a charred wasteland. For all intents and purposes, the whaling industry in Nantucket was dead. And after hearing how sick the whole process was, we can happily say, Good fucking riddance! End of story! Woo! We did it! Everybody's like, you can't tell the tale of the Essex in one episode. You can't do that. It's it's too comprehensive. It's Stupid too big. fucking idiots. <laughs> it was the Titanic of 1820. How can you just tell the story? Guess what? It just fucking happened! Right in your fucking ear holes, you dumb bitches. <laughs> well, we did. Leave out some parts. But it's just because we like to do this little thing at the end of the story that we call Fast Facts. Fast Fact! Number one. The men who joined a crew of a whaling ship were paid in shares. In other words, they received no money up front for their work and would only get paid a portion of the profits after the two and a half year expedition. For example, a cabin boy could expect to get one six-hundredth share of the profit. And because some of the men were idiots and fractions were like black magic to them, they would haggle to receive even less money because in their minds, one nine-hundredth sounded like three hundred more than one six-hundredth. Fast fact number two. Most experienced sailors knew how disgusting the trying-out process of a whale was. But the new sailors repeatedly changed clothes after every watch. By the time the first whale had been tried out, these men would be out of clean clothes and would have to buy more from the ship's store at marked-up prices. But they could, of course, buy them on credit, and the cost would simply deduct from their shares at the end of the trip. 
Fast fact number three. Just for funsies, and so you know what the men were going through, here's the progression of severe dehydration. First, you get cotton mouth. Then, you get severe head and neck pain, and your skin feels tight and shrunken. Then you start to hallucinate. Your tongue swells and hardens into a useless rock. You lose the ability to speak. You begin to sweat and cry blood. Breathing becomes incredibly difficult. And finally, your internal organs mercifully shut down and you receive the sweet butthole kiss from the Grim Reaper. Fast fact number four. No one knows precisely where the Essex sank, and since she was a wooden ship that sank in warm Pacific waters, it's incredibly unlikely that any wreckage will ever be found. So, the only surviving pieces of the ship are a wooden chest that was later found by another whaling vessel, and a tiny piece of twine that Benjamin Lawrence made during his 93 days in a whale boat with Captain Pollard. Alright guys, we thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it entertaining and educational. And as always, we direct you to HunterProofHistory.com where you will find our Patreon, where for just $3 a month, you can get access to early episodes, old episodes, bonus content, so much shit. And also, you can find bios on us. It's just worth the trip. It takes you 10 seconds to type the name Fucking do it. We also ask you to check out at 100ProofHistory on all your favorite social media sites and apps where you can find funny pics, memes, stuff related to the story in between new releases. And that's it. We love you. Thank you for listening. I am your sexiest of co-hosts. For Wolf Dick, our esteemed producer, Dan Dan, the intro man, Ah, don't forget me. Shut up, John Beignet Ramsey. No one wants to hear from you anymore. The show is over, except for main host, best host, God Emperor, guiding us to the promised land host, Greg. What else? Do you think it's weird, Chris, that they were able to find food and water right when they needed it? Oh, I don't know. It's a little strange. What you think? Maybe there was some um, intervention of some kind. <laughs> Just something to think about. You guys think about it, and I'm going to go pee. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now I'm recording. Now everything seems recording. to be... Where it should Hi, be. Hi, my name is Greg. Hello. Sweet. Hi, Greg. Whatever. How are you today? It's just one of those days, you know. <laughs> Everybody sucks and everything is fucked. And you know, the worst part for me is... You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off? Yeah. It's just one of those days, motherfucker. Right now, I am recording, and I am talking to my friend Greg. So, Greg, has your cum soaked into your wife's eggs yet and made babies? I'll weave fucking shit into yarn, don't you worry. And then yarn into gold. I always do. No, just 
At this point, it's shit <laughs> into yarn. <laughs> I can yarn into gold, but I can't do shit into yarn and then that yarn into gold. <laughs> that goes against every physical property yeah. law we know of. So. <laughs> shit yarn cannot become AU. That's true. That's science. Isn't that gold? Is that gold? Yeah. AU? AU. AU! I got some gold over here! Point three. Fuck you. I'm having a good... You don't have to fucking (laughs) edit this shit! Oh, I'm gonna be so pissed. Shut up, Greg. Shut up! I'm gonna be so pissed in like two points. When I look at the time, which I just looked at right now, and I'm like, holy fuck. I do how... Mm. I do how. I do how. I do how, sir. Hello. <laughs> sir Reginald Featherbottom. At your service. <laughs> I'm fucking clean and dope like heroin soap. Fun fact. Fun, fun fact. fact. <laughs> <laughs> you Fast fucking cuckolstein. Fact. <laughs>